Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Hello, you badass people out there. I've got so many things with me um, that I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks and months. Because after last season, um, with each conversation I had, I really noticed that there is a pattern of success that all of my guests share in common, even though each of their stories is completely unique. In fact, it's 10 things that have all helped them to create their personal success stories, no matter the hardship, no matter the difficulties, no matter the trauma that they have experienced, those 10 things were the ones that have helped them set up a life where they're, where they're finally able to embrace themselves, where they're finally able to pursue their life purpose and really make a good living off of that. So I call those 10 things the 10 secrets of thriving women. And I've put all of those 10 things for you um, into an ebook that I've created. So in the ebook, you will not only find out about what those 10 secrets are and what they really mean, but on top of that, I've added to each of those secrets um, a section with reflection prompts for you so that you yourself can identify, you know, where are you at with each of those things so that you can understand what it takes for you to get to that level of all those amazing women and really create that life that you want for yourself as well. So go check it out. Go to olgamuller.com slash podcast and download the ebook completely for free. So welcome everybody to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today I have a true, I would say, trailblazer with me. Her name is Tara Vazdani. She's from Canada and Tara is the principal lawyer and founder of Remote Law Canada, a law firm specializing in civil litigation, employment law and remote work. And in both 2018 and 19, Tara was nominated for Canadian Lawyers' Top 25 Most Influential Lawyers. And in 2019, she was even featured in Forbes. There we go. Um, Tara's law firm is exclusively remote and thrives on using legal technology and artificial intelligence to more efficiently serve clients and encourage the remote work movement. Um, prior to founding her own company, Tara practiced civil subrogation and employment litigation in Toronto's premier law firms. But today, she's assists, she assists business owners, employees, and legal tech companies with understanding their legal obligations to eventually go remote themselves. And I'm so, so thrilled to have you with us today, Tara. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Well, morning for me, afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Tara, I'm like I mentioned when I read, let's say your biography or, um, a little bit about your story, I was so impressed because it literally seems like you're like, uh, you've got like a built in jet propulsion or something like that, because, um, <laughs> you earned already two law degrees. You've published your own book already. You're running your own law firm, like hello. And you're considered to be amongst the, you know, some of the most influential lawyers in Canada, all at the age of just like 29. This is insane. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm so grateful. No, you know, it's it's been quite a ride. I've enjoyed it so much. And I would say that one of the things that has definitely propelled me this way is, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's the remote lifestyle that I have. Mm-hmm. It gives me all of this flexibility to go after what I want want, you know, with very few rules and very few boundaries, which, you know, the, the fierce independent woman always needs. Yeah. And it's also just a general passion for for what I do. I'm, I love technology. I love to see the way that 
millennials can change the practice of law mm-hmm. from something that's, you know, it's, it's at least in 2020, it's pretty archaic. And so if I can contribute to that in some way, I'm so happy. And it looks like, you know, as they say, when you're passionate about something, everything else just comes. So I'm so grateful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so curious and so excited to share what has, you know, what has, enabled you and contributed to um, this journey so far. I mean, what do you think uh, really fuels you to go through life with such a fire? I mean, you already mentioned a little bit like, let's say this remote lifestyle, but is there anything else that really like makes you light up to go like with this kind of energy after all your goals, basically? Oh my God. It's a great question. So funny enough, when I began, I was, you know, your, your typical law student, I was chasing after the big firms. All I wanted to do was be a junior associate. And granted, I articled at a very, very good firm, Mm -hmm. um, the largest in Canada. And although the lifestyle was something that I thought I wanted, I quickly realized that I couldn't, you know, do exactly what I wanted. I couldn't reach out of what, what, the book said and what prior practice said. And then in terms of, uh, you know, what propelled me to jump into this entrepreneurial spirit, really, it was focusing on what my passions were and what my priorities were. So when I was articling in Ottawa, in the capital uh, city of Canada, Mm -hmm. I was working at this big law firm and I had the opportunity to stay on as an associate or to go elsewhere. And the reason that I chose not to stay on as an associate and actually move on and, you know, take this huge risk coming to Toronto and applying to 500 jobs Mm. was because I decided that if I was going to stay in Ottawa at 27 years old and be far away from family and potentially invest a couple of years, I would be sacrificing a lot of things. Mm. I wouldn't be in a potentially a, a relationship in a city that I knew I wanted to live in. So for me, going, coming back to Toronto was always going to be the plan. Mm-hmm. It was just never going to be that I would reside in Ottawa. And, you know, a lot of people sacrificed those first few years to give me experience, you know, get the big law firm on their resume. But for me, I sat there and I thought, well, I'm 27. And if I do this, let's say until 30, which I'm not even yet, and so much has happened before then, um, I'm sacrificing time with my family. Uh, I won't be able to, you know, act as a role model in the way that I wanted to Mm -hmm. for my younger cousins, younger family friends, and potentially getting to a a nice, successful, you know, uh, comforting relationship like all of my friends around me who weren't in law school were doing. Mm. And so it was really, and I remember standing there with a wine glass in my hand at 11.59 p.m. (laughs) with the deadline to apply to the firm for a first-year associate position uh, being midnight and thinking, okay, you know what? You've made this decision. You want to start a life in Toronto. You're going to take this really big risk. And then the clock hit midnight, and I thought I breathed a sigh of relief. And I realized it was really focusing on my priorities that spearheaded the next two years of my career. Mm. And then from there, it became, you know, coming to Toronto, finding a new job over here, And within my first two years of practice, I changed my job four times. So I went through three different firms before starting my own firm. And then in that process, really, the focus became about selfishly about me and going where I wanted in my career and gaining the experience that I wanted. So, you know, I was trained at the big firm. That's great. It gave me the basics. Then I started an insurance firm. For about eight months, I learned how to civil litigate, and I always wanted to do employment law, not insurance, but I needed a job when I came to Toronto. So I I threw in the, the eight months, used that litigation experience to go into the employment law firm, stayed there for about three or four months, and then realized that I wanted a broader civil litigation practice with an employment law piece. Moved on to the third firm where I was a civil litigator. And then as, you know, speaking engagements, my involvement in the remote work community, uh, things started to pile up and, and clients started to come in on my side. I started to realize that, wow, maybe I can do this on my own. And here we are. Wow. I mean, 
coming back to that moment because I think I think I, I mean I started international business and I think for let's say business students it's always like kind of maybe the same as with the big law firm uh, is the big consultancy right the big consulting firm and um, I see many people go down that path I mean what do you think was it that ultimately gave you this this courage to you know make the decision to not apply absolutely so it's you know what it's really about taking risks and when you are for example speaking with a generation the generation prior to us who had a lot of employee loyalty and company loyalty and guarantees at the end of their employment for or, you know, whether it's a great pension or at the end of seven years in the legal industry partnership or what have you, realizing that now the the workforce has changed. Mm. So that company loyalty doesn't get employees as far as it used to. And so really it's about going in and I've read, you know, tons of articles where it seems to be this millennial job hopping has kind of become commonplace. Mm-hmm. And it, employees are really, really chasing flexibility. I think that the important piece is, again, being selfish. Mm-hmm. So although it looks attractive to, you know, go after the big consultancy firm and, you know, have it on your resume, you have the power to create something in an economy and in a, a, a time period when really startups, entrepreneurship, um, and, and all of these unique niche areas are available and open to explore. So, you know, creating the, the remote law firm, mm-hmm. and I haven't come across any others like mine, um, and also focusing on artificial intelligence, it didn't take much research. It was something that I was interested in. It was something that was mm-hmm. new and exciting. And across the world right now, new and exciting is taking on a different meaning than it did previously. And when you combine it with clients, I found that, for example, you know, when I was starting out, even though I was in an insurance firm, most insurance companies were hiring in-house because it was a lot cheaper for them to hire a lawyer in-house, pay them a salary, no billable target, Mm. and, you know, get all of their legal work done than it was to hire an external law firm that charges you hourly. And so, That was the first shift as well. But I would say, you know, to summarize all of this, if you were this young business student who was looking at the consultancy firm, I would encourage you to be a bit of a risk taker and to really, really focus in on what your true passion is because of two things. Skills necessary to be successful in that business anywhere. And oftentimes you will gain better skills in a smaller entrepreneurial environment because you don't have the resources that you, you don't have access to a plethora of resources that make your work so easy. Mm. And everybody knows that, you know, when you do the grind work, you really, really are able to understand the content and the logistics of your actual work better. Um, so that's number one. And number two is really the client. The clients are interested these days. And if you think about the best way to think about it is to think about yourself as a consumer, they are more interested in someone who is, you know, not mechanical, who is genuine, authentic, and understands their needs. And at least in my case is taking advantage of the new cutting edge technology to make things cheaper. So, you know, although, there's this big push or, or this, this desire to be part of some of these larger institutions, the client ends up paying the way those larger institutions are run. And clients are, you know, living in an age where efficiency is so, so, so important for everything, you know, shopping online, buying your groceries online, and just the ease of, of doing everything. And an example of that is the way that you and I are talking right now, you know, yeah. from Germany and Toronto. So if you can, the easier you can do things, the better and the more attractive it is to the client. And being part of, unfortunately, 
some of those bigger industries or bigger companies that are a little bit old school will not give you the skills to deal with, you know, the next three decades of clients who are very technology dependent and who are very um, focused on cost savings and efficiency. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you? Because I think the biggest pressure point for most, let's say, um, yeah, graduates is, uh, let's say, family expectations, <laughs> um, especially like from parents. Uh, how was that for you? Was your family like um, supportive of that decision or was were, were they having different, let's say, wishes for your path? So that's a great question. Were they supportive? Absolutely not. Are they still supportive? <laughs> Probably not. And the reason that I want to be honest about that is because it's very true. And that's where this generational gap comes up. And it's something that we need to deal with and we need to understand. Yeah. So for the millennial, you know, like me, we've got parents who were part of this baby boomer generation. And again, you know, to them, company loyalty was very important. Mm -hmm. Um employee engagement for one particular employer, you know, for the course of their lives was very, very important. But they fail to understand that a lot of the skills, as I've already talked about, are not gained in that atmosphere anymore, simply because there is an, there's a, a significant increase in numbers in the workforce. So, for example, Where in their generation, you have, let's say, and it's just throwing a random number out there, 10 people competing for the same job. You've now got two or three or 400 with the same degrees competing for the same job. And for that reason, companies are no longer loyal to their employees. And the guarantees that you had at the end of your career are not there simply because you're so replaceable. So that's number one. But number two, I would say, and this is just from an entrepreneurial perspective, I would never have been able to realize the accomplishments that I've seen in my career mm -hmm. had I not done things the way that I did. So in terms of, you know, nominations for Canadian lawyers, top most influential, the motion And, and, and really, my fame came from being the first Canadian lawyer, maybe in the world, too, to serve a claim using Instagram. Mm. That, you know, unique thing that I had done was only possible because the firm, the smaller firm that I was working for, gave me a lot of authority in drafting and issuing and, you know, being creative with my lawsuits and mm -hmm. my claims. Had I been a young student in the bigger firm, I would have never possibly for seven to 10 years had that type of autonomy. Mm. And I would never be able to be that creative because A, my name wouldn't be on the claim. It would be whichever partner I was working for. And B, I wouldn't be following the rules. So that, you know, being able to do that was a product of focusing on myself and jumping mm. from career to career. So that's one thing. And then in terms of the remote work movement, again, you know, collaborating with lawyers in Australia and the U.S. and, you know, being featured in Forbes and all this stuff, it was only possible because I was able to sit down and get creative and expand my vision, you know, without these these chains that told me that I really, really had to follow things by the book. Yeah. And so although my parents, you know, They, they definitely, it, it took them time to see that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I did face some of that resistance. Being an entrepreneur has not only allowed me to grow my career in such a way that, you know, it's, it, I've developed this, this infamousness or, or this famousness. And it, you know, that's happened because of the actions I've been able to do. And that would have never happened, for example, for many of the people that I knew that articled in the same year as me at bigger firms who, frankly, in two and a half years, I haven't even heard of, mm. you know? And so, so that's number one. And number two is just from a, a simple, you know, entrepreneurial perspective, I'm able to grow my business in the way that I want. And I'm able to value myself and my work in the way that I want. So yeah. from that perspective, 
you know, and, and just numbers speaking or, or income speaking, it is a lot greater running my own business than it is working for someone else because the possibilities of, for example, you know, we're saving up now to, to get a townhouse Mm -hmm. and, uh, the reality of being able to accomplish those goals, it's, it's, you know, there's a significant difference in the number of years between how long it will take me now to accomplish that, which is probably less than a year versus had I stuck with a a salaried Mm. position and, you know, it could take me four or five or six years because I didn't have the flexibility to work when I wanted and from where I wanted and how I wanted. And now, you know, recently having moved out of Toronto already, I've, uh, I've, I've dealt with a lot of those overhead or commute costs or things like that, that were just so unnecessary. Mm. And also, you know, I, when I'm overworked, my pockets are growing. Whereas (laughs) when I was working in the, in a salaried environment, it didn't matter how many hours you work you were still taking this paycheck home every two weeks so from that perspective also I think you know your parents start to come down but I think the most important thing is really understanding that they come from a different generation Mm -hmm. and for me it's just been separating those expectations from you know basically running my own life Mm -hmm. so you know I listen and listen (laughs) I don't really offer any input, but at the end of the day, I do what I want because I know that the world of work has changed Yeah, and they will, they will always come around. You know, it's the same thing when you've got a partner that they don't approve of. Eventually they'll know you're happy and they'll be just fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just those, let's say the, the initial moments and let's say the time that you have to transition to kind of show them, Hey, I'm okay. You know, it's going to be okay. <laughs> but so what made you yeah. what made you eventually then, you know, really go for your own law firm? Because, you know, when I'm thinking of just starting, uh, let's say, in uh, air quotes, like a normal business, okay, I'm already like thinking of all the things that you're supposed to do. But when I'm thinking of like, holy crap, building like a, a law firm, I imagine like so many things things to be taken care of so much I don't know I I imagine like a lot of um you know making sure that you have a lot of kind of administrative uh, things in place and um and um I don't know a lot of detailed things I believe but I have no no clue so please (laughs) correct me when I'm wrong but just you know what made you take that leap because it comes with a lot of responsibility especially like in this kind of area Yes, of course. So funny enough, this one was a bit of a spur of the moment kind of thing. Um, Things started to get out of control. I had a lot of speaking engagements. I was doing a lot of writing. I was going to a lot of meetings, you know, with people who were uh, creating legal tech uh, that, you know, would be used in the future, whether it was AI to do legal research, things like that. I was meeting with a lot of CEOs from these legal tech companies. And long story short, I was out of the office a lot. So, you know, I was breaking that traditional model. And so it it all kind of happened very quickly. It's just, you know, things, my, my lifestyle wasn't fitting in into the traditional law firm anymore. And it was definitely a bit of a challenge to get things rolling. But I think that, you know, whether it's a law firm or, or anything else, and, and you are right, you know, there are certain tools that are necessary, whether it's accounting, um, you know, you're, you're somebody to handle legal research or daily administrative tasks, communicating with the court, things like that. Mm. There are a lot of tools that are necessary to run a law firm successfully, but there are also a lot of tools that are necessary to run any business successfully. And I think that anybody who's worried about being able to set themselves up for success needs to remember two things. First and foremost, in 2020, and I can't believe it's 2020, but it is, you know, we need to remember that the tools that we have available right now to be efficient and, and to work in a, a streamlined way are better than ever. So, for example, my office is on Bay Street. This is you know, financial district area in Toronto. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, every big bank, every big law firm, we're all on Bay Street. 
but I'm in the office one day a week, if that. And it's because I've got the ability to set up a virtual office where, you know, my receptionists are there, my mail is there. For example, I got back from holidays and they sent me my mail to my home yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've got this ability to be present in that atmosphere but when I wake up in the morning, I don't have to leave home and I can jump into my work and be productive right away. Mm. That's an example of one tool where, you know, instead of believing that, that as a lawyer, you know, you need to wake up, put your suit on, get into the office and meet with clients. It's not necessary. I can work from here. And then, you know, the second thing would obviously be the meetings with clients. Clients themselves like that we can schedule phone calls. Um, I text all of my clients. So, you know, they've got me in a very instantaneous way. Mm -hmm. It's not emails. Um, And then, you know, you take significant advantage of emails. You can go into Zoom video chat if you want. But, I, you know, another way to really, really make this easy for is taking advantage of these technologies because my clients don't want to come into Toronto, pay for parking, you know, where it's $20 an hour and deal with the traffic. And if they can get things done in this quick way, where also it's going to cost them a lot less, Mm -hmm. they're happy to do it. And it's like, you know, again, you just need to put yourself in the shoes of the consumer. You would be happy also. Mm -hmm. Um, If you you could avoid, you know, the wait times. And another example that just comes to mind is, you know, last night, my, my, partner wanted to go to the doctor and you know this amazing walk-in clinic they've got it set up online so he checked the wait time before making the decision of whether to Mm. go or not (laughs) so you know it was seven o'clock the the walk-in doctor is working until nine and he just quickly in two minutes on his phone oh it says wait time is an hour I'll go tomorrow and you know realizing that a lot of these tools exist now to make your job and your life so much easier is step number one and it's it's really breaking out of that traditional model there's no need you know i've got an office when i need it i came back from holidays and a client wanted to meet with me and instead of meeting with them in toronto on monday i met with them in mississauga in my office five minutes from home Mm -hmm. because my office is set up in a way where i've got access to three thousand locations around the world so i did that because not only does it create flexibility for me it creates flexibility for my clients and it gives me an opportunity to connect with clients all over the province and so you can meet them anywhere we can you know really I mean I I tend to meet my clients even in restaurants it's just to create this great interpersonal relationship Mm -hmm. um but it's taking advantage of these tools and then you know another example would be using ai for legal research you know instead of having my student go in and spend hours and hours and hours and be tired and you know if he misses something or i mean he never does but if he does <laughs> and you know just overwhelming him the the ai tools are so advanced these days that really they can give you a great basic memo on a legal research question within 24 hours and he can work on something that I can actually bill my client for as opposed to you know just this general research question that I needed to know to help our case Mm. and so it's if you were going to be a successful entrepreneur and I see this also in people starting solo firms solo Mm -hmm. law firms where the you know where where things maybe accelerated at a faster speed for me and I was able to kick my business off the ground really quickly was taking advantage of these tools. Whereas some other people who get stuck in this mindset that you need to live in that traditional atmosphere, it takes much longer to get the business off the ground. So I would say for anybody thinking about it, you know, research the technologies available and guaranteed there are tons that can help you. And, you know, then things will be just as easy as waking up and, and, doing work in your pajamas (laughs) but um that's that's really great advice i mean there's really like it's it's almost even more difficult to kind of sort through the flood of let's say different opportunities almost um to find the ones that are really you know suited for for you for your um endeavor 
etc but when it came to you know making let's say the decision of okay um i'm realizing maybe people are seeking me personally out more and more maybe hey this is something that i can go you know and do by myself i don't actually need a company like were you ever like afraid to make that step or what were some of your your thoughts about going solo Oh my God. Absolutely. So, you know, I would, I would be lying if I said that, you know, it was all smooth sailing. I knew I would succeed at this. No, <laughs> I, I, you know, I had the same worries as everyone else, you know, will it be successful? How will I get clients? How will I maintain them? Um, but really I would say the number one, and I think anybody can sympathize with this was how will I get clients? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it, it was, definitely a risk in the same way that it was walking away from that position in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how it was going to go, but I had enough supportive, friendly voices around me telling me, and really, I think this was the key and, and, and what did it for me was when things started to change in my law firm, well, in my previous firm, mm -hmm. and I was making the decision to possibly go out on my own, everyone told me that and it was very inspirational. I was at an age where I could take this risk, and if it didn't work out in a couple of years, I could go back to the traditional model. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was fortunate. I didn't have any dependents, wasn't married, um, and really... I had all of these encouraging individuals around me telling me that even if I took the risk and I failed, I would still be okay. So from my per personal perspective, that was it. And I think that's what allowed me to take the leap forward. Now, for someone who is in a different situation where you've got a lot on the line, I would say this. I had started this firm and I had also been interviewing for other positions that were slightly different from my previous firm. So a lot of them were, you know, with big law firms, but they involved a huge marketing or a huge tech mm -hmm. piece because that's where I was hitting the walls with my previous firm. And I thought, you know, if I had more flexibility and more autonomy to kind of, you know, pursue my passions, I'd still be happy in the mm -hmm. traditional firm. And so although I was starting the business, I didn't put, and you know, I know they say, put your 150% in there. I can honestly tell you I didn't. What I did instead was set myself up and maybe it was just my personality so that within five or six months, I actually did have a job lined up and I was just going to see how it went. Mm. And so for somebody who is, is, you know, concerned about the risk, I would say, you know, you don't won't have to make this it's definitely better and you hear entrepreneurs talk about it all the time and you know go big or go home and all that stuff but if you're nervous you know do something about it and for me it was just it was ensuring that if things didn't go smoothly over five or six months I would have a position available and so for someone who was thinking about doing this I would actually encourage them to do that you know and understand that, and this comes back to what I had said about, you know, employees these days just being a number. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities available across the globe. You will be able to find a job. What you won't be able to do is always start your own business. So if you've got the passion, go for it. But if you feel that you're not sure about how it's going to go or you've got too much on the line, find ways to calm that fear. And, you know, if it works out great, if it doesn't, you'll have learned a ton anyways. Yeah, that's true. And how was it for you? I mean, um, as a, such a, let's say, young female in, in an industry where it's really also, I think, probably the older you are, the more, I guess, um, more respect I would assume you get from the uh, legal community or you know um, things like that seeing like a 29 year old let's say very young and driven woman is still like going <laughs> against I think everything that this kind of industry stands for so 
Um, how was that from, let's say, a female perspective and a, and a millennial perspective starting this business out? Was there any, like, uh, let's say, resistance that you faced or maybe criticism or things like that? A hundred percent. So my goal has always been be as prepared as possible. Mm -hmm. So I have gone up now, and it's almost been a year, against counsel, senior counsel, 60 years and over. Every single time, and and it tends to be more predominant in males. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've, I've had some pretty terrible experiences with females as well. It has always been my age or my experience in question. And I can tell you that every single time and not what it's happened, I have won. And the reason that I have won is strictly preparation and confidence. Hmm. Anyone can accomplish anything based on how much you put into it. So a good example is a hearing that I had in July. Um, we were up against counsel who was maybe two years away from retirement. I spent two or three days preparing myself and knowing the law inside and out, knowing that doing that in a non-billable way. So, you know, just ensuring that I was going to nail it in court, but not mm -hmm. billing my clients for it was going to set for success. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, when we got there, we did a bang job and we set a precedent actually across Canada. And the reason was because I had prepared so much and senior counsel had prepared so little because he wanted to take advantage of the fact that I was young mm -hmm. and didn't have as much experience in the industry. And also, you know, his client wasn't going to pay $800 an hour to have him prepare in the way that I did. Mm. When I got there, age and experience didn't matter. Knowledge mattered. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I was able to come out on top. And the same thing, you know, goes for any other experience that I've had. And another good example is, you know, we're in the process of settling a, a very big intellectual property lawsuit right now. And I've managed to get senior counsel from the U.S. so on my side that, you know, we, we are negotiating in very productive settlement discussions now. So it's really, age is nothing but a number. Mm. And I think that that really applies in this case. Preparation is all that matters. And, you know, for me, I've got a very creative mindset. So if you give me the law, I can come up with some way to apply it. <laughs> and I don't need to follow all of the, you know, quote unquote rules that, you know, the young associates should follow. I, I just, you know, go out there and wing it. And I think that's what, millennials are really here to do because the industry is changing the client is changing and their expectations are changing so if you can you know apply yourself in a in a creative way it actually helps these days some of those archaic methods they just they don't jive with your your 2020 client yeah definitely i mean from your per, uh, point of view, you know, um, and for all the, let's say, all the people who might be tuning in and um, might be working also in, in the in the law industry, like, what do you see uh, as necessary to really be successful, particularly as a woman? Is it or is there even something that um, could um, that women in particular are are lacking, or? Um, Is there no difference to men when it comes to, you know, um, coming out on top at the end of the day? Because I think it's a very also probably male dominated industry, I would suggest, uh, I would assume. Um, yes. So what's your point of view on that? Or maybe you see like many women, you know, so also take um, fall, fall short because they, they have more potential, but they fall short because maybe they are following uh, rules that are expected from them. Absolutely. So I would say number one is confidence. And it's really, you know, every time I've walked into a room, I haven't, I haven't really cared who's on the other side. I've had enough confidence and preparation in myself mm -hmm. that I've been able to handle it. And that's where I think 
females especially, but any young, you know, associate or, or individual, what have you, uh, they lack the confidence because they tie confidence with experience, which is completely mm. not the case. And the only reason I say that is because, for example, if confidence were tied with experience, you wouldn't have some of the greatest minds that you've had of all time. You know, they weren't necessarily in their old age. It mm. was really about creativity and confidence in what they were doing. And so definitely, you know, in my industry, I think that that's what's lacking. And it's it's confidence as a woman, you know, in a male-dominated industry, but it's also confidence in themselves as a young associate. Mm-hmm. Believing that, you know, you have to follow the way that things were done for the last hundred years is the first step, I think, to failure. And the only reason I say that is because, like I've said, you know, a couple of times, the landscape is completely changing. And so even all of those individuals who think that, you know, it's the right way to do things is the old school way mm-hmm. are just unfortunately not you know, in, in, in tune with the way that any individual is operating today. And that goes from strictly the fact that every person in a first world country has a cell phone in their hands and, you know, is, is possibly on social media or, or what have you, even just from a cell phone perspective, you know, trying to meet with a client instead of sending them an email or vice versa, you know, having a client or telling a client that that you couldn't send an email because you were away from your desk is absolutely unacceptable in 2020. But you look to a lot of senior lawyers or senior business partners or what have you. And for them, it's still the acceptable way of communicating with the client. Mm -hmm. Well, Absolutely not. You know, no, you should have had your cell phone with you. And if you were out for lunch or if you were in a cab or if you you were taking, you know, a day from home, you should have been able to reply to that email on your cell phone. Mm. And so realizing that, you know, and then tying your confidence to learning skills from whether it's a lawyer or what have you, who doesn't have those same expectations is, is a recipe for disaster. So I would say confidence in, you know, your skill and your ability to develop your skill. And definitely as a woman, it would just be, you know, breaking those barriers. I don't bat an eyelash when I go into a room with anyone and it doesn't matter who it is. It's it's still going to be me, 100% authenticity. And, and that's it. Well, where have you learned to, let's say... Um not get affected so much by what other people say because this is a real struggle for like so many people and um um i feel both ways you know sometimes it's this way sometimes it's the other way but you know what do you think um maybe looking back on how you grew up with or the experiences that you've made what is giving you this this uh, unshakable trust in yourself that you're able to you know deal with whatever comes your way It's a great question. So it's definitely been, you know, exploring the creative part of myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't so easy in the beginning. People wouldn't listen. And, you know, you're trying to shake up an industry that's very, very old. And, you know, sometimes you definitely have doubts in yourself. Um, But thinking about things differently, one of the best ways was actually a lot of writing. I did a lot And through that writing, I was able to express myself in so many ways that I couldn't in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. And now it's blown up so much that I I hardly write. And, you know, I would love to get back into it, but I was able to express myself and my ideas. And, you know, although in the beginning, probably there weren't many readers and probably there weren't many people listening, the more and more and more I did it, I would get, you know, contacted by one person over here and then contacted by another person over here. And it was really sticking to that, that I think the writing really helped to develop Mm. the confidence and, and the career. And then also I would say in the last year or so, it's been being around other very successful 
female entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So I'm part of a business networking group. And I can honestly tell you, although there are business networking groups of strictly women and women helping women, I found that the most productive one was a co-gender business networking group, because then you had female entrepreneurs that were very, very successful, as well as male entrepreneurs that were very, very successful, getting along with one another. Mm -hmm. And that atmosphere I found was a lot more empowering than the opposite where, you know, it's just women meeting women. And I agree, we should be there to uplift one another. But I feel like it also creates the separation that we're trying to avoid. So in the last year, I've been, you know, in that group, and I see them every week, they're very, very successful women entrepreneurs. And the funny thing is, they're all over 40, they're all over 50. But they really taught me how to build my business, you know, build my brand. And it really just came from seeing the way that they interact actually mm-hmm. with their male colleagues. And so, you know, you need this support system. And I think that they definitely helped me to go out there and become a lot more aggressive and a lot more mm-hmm. confident. And then in terms of, you know, probably the the, the biggest piece was just running my own practice. It gives me so much autonomy and so much ability to do whatever I want without anyone telling me how to do it. Mm. And that was definitely the most empowering thing. Because when I worked for a company, I was still, (laughs) I hate to use this word, but chained. Mm -hmm. I couldn't express myself in the way that I wanted to, or in the way that I do now. And frankly, even then, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to express myself this way. But it's now not having anyone telling me, you know, what or how to be most empowering. And it's, you know, once you're able to go out there and do things on your own, you and you know, there will be people who won't listen, but there will be people who listen. But as long as you are consistent, Uh, things will always come around. And I just say that because I look at the journey from writing to getting these awards, to being in Forbes, to the practice running so well and on such a grand scale. Um, It was really, you know, sticking, sticking to my guns and knowing that there was no one there to stop me. Yeah, sometimes it's like we have to make room for ourselves, isn't it? Like to give ourselves permission and to just, you know, yeah, embrace the space that you allowed yourself to create for yourself. So, um, Yes, and there will be plenty of people that will try to stop you, you know, but really it's about sticking to yourself. And um, who is it? Maybe Michelle Obama said, you know, be so good that they can't ignore you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually when you're, you know, things are thriving and you're getting these awards and things like that, people can't ignore you. And even if they don't believe in you or they didn't believe in you at that point, they've got no choice but to believe in you. Mm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Yeah. So if there was one, one message that you could um, kind of secretly implement into every woman's head um, that she would believe right away, um, what would that one message be that you think every woman should, you know, believe in? Go after what you want unapologetically. It doesn't matter how it turns out, no matter what, you'll have gained some experience, some confidence, and you'll be in a better position than you were at the start of it all. There are no regrets. Mm. Is there anything there or another thing that I always like to kind of close out is um, I call it the three nuggets of wisdom. And so if you could send three pieces of wisdom to six-year-old Tara uh, that you would like her to know about, you know, life, about herself, about, I don't know, anything really, what would those three things be that you would like her to know? Oh my God, that's a great question. So first and foremost, you will go through plenty of ups and downs throughout your lifetime, but know that you will always find yourself. And whether 
you know, you've gone through terrible experiences or wonderful experiences, your base will always be there. You'll just have amplified. And the second one would be in the end, it's always okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And I love that saying because, you know, when people are in really turbulent moments, they tend to think that, you know, it's doomsday and things will never become normal. But as long as you can adapt to change and you can take a very effective approach, mm-hmm. things will always be okay in the end. That's and true. the third one would be to have as much fun as possible. And I think that I was able to accomplish that throughout my lifetime. Um, I really, really had a blast in my, you know, youth years and my, even in my last year of my youth now, (laughs) but (laughs) it would really be like, you know, just, just have fun with it. Don't look back. It's, it's life is a journey. You know, it's not, it's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's just a journey and go through it, let it mold you and, you know, have fun with it because, Nothing is ever so serious that, you know, you need to let it affect your mood or personhood or anything like that. That's true. You can always have a good time. <laughs> true. And like you said, age is just a number. Yes. <laughs> so, Tara, I mean, if people, you know, got curious about uh, your company, what you do and uh, finding out more about you, where can they find you? Absolutely. So all of my contact information, it's on remotelawcanada.com. You can find me there, all of my social media, and feel free to shoot me an email. I'm happy to chat with anyone. Yeah, cool. Well, Tara, thank you so much for being part of the podcast and, you know, setting another example in, in, you know, in in such an industry that, well, I think... uh, is 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 longing and needing um new creativity new ideas that are coming from people like you who are let's say mixing stirring things up and um guiding things into new directions so i really love that you've been able to share you know all those insights with us and really also hopefully help many women out there to gain that level of confidence so that they can also walk Uh, into the next situation next time without batting an eyelash there we go (laughs) exactly so i hope women really will get that confidence from from hearing what you were able to accomplish in such a short period of time so thank you so much for having been with us today thank you so much for tuning into the thrive podcast and spending your precious time with us if you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too please share it with your network friends and family I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.